0: I mean, glad you're here, glad you made the effort to be here. Look around, there's, a, there's several empty tables today. I want to always be encouraging invite somebody, call somebody. Uh, the greatest thing we can do, the easiest thing we can do to expose them to the word of God is just as simple as inviting them to join us at our Thursdays men's lunches. So be sure and keep that in your eyesight. Everybody you see, you come across, hey, uh, join me on Thursday at our men's lunch. Today at our men's lunch, we've been, and, and really the past several few months really, uh, we've been looking at what we would say, uh, or who we would say are, are great men of the Bible. We've gone and and picked some of these guys out, great men of the Bible. We looked at the man of faith, Abraham. We spent five weeks looking at him. We just finished looking at Moses. And today we're going to start the life of Joshua, one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible, my favorite Old Testament book, the book of Joshua. Uh, but we're going to start this week looking at the life of Joshua. Well, I want you to, to understand as we move through these guys, as we move through these men, uh, the point of this is that we would be trained, the point of this is that we would be encouraged. And that we would not just sit here and, and listen and talk about these men. We wouldn't just marvel at these men and say, oh, look at, look at Joshua and look, look at Abraham. But that in, in hearing of them and in studying them, that we would actually to aspire to be men like them. That, that's, that's a pretty awesome thing, that we would aspire to be men just like them. Listen very carefully today. Our world needs men. Our world needs godly men. Our our wives need godly husbands. Our our kids need a godly dad. Our churches need godly men. Today, in our world, in our culture, we need godly men. One of Satan's greatest victories, I believe, the last 50 years is that godly men have gone missing in our culture. We've got a lot of men that can do this and we've got that guy and this guy, but the, the, the production of godly men uh, seems to have stalled out, and that's a tremendous victory for Satan. We're seeing that uh, take its repercussions across our culture. Well, hopefully you're seeing, as we look at these men, that they were men just like us. They lived like us. They went through the things of life just like we do. They, they die like we one day will. Uh, they saw some great things. They did some pretty great things but they also made some, some tremendous mistakes. They, they made some great mistakes, also just like us. And so the truth is, and I hope we're getting this, is that each of us holds as much potential, each of us has as much possibility as they did. And you would say, well, well what, like Moses? Yes. You know what, he got up in the morning the way you do. He went to bed at night the way you do. We have as much potential, as much possibility as they did. Today, um, look, at, look at what we what we hold to, what we promote in our young men. We say, you know what, we, we wanna be great men, and we think, well, you know what, that must be a great businessman. And man, the great thing you can do is you can be a great businessman, or some, some other form of success. You can be a successful man, and we, we hold that up. Or maybe in our culture that you can be a great athlete. And if you wanna be a man, then man, if you'll be a great athlete, and we hold that up. And, and my encouragement instead of all of that is to be a godly man. To be a man that's great in the cause of Jesus Christ. Because listen, that is all that's really gonna matter. You can stack up all the money. You can build the greatest business. You can win the Heisman Trophy and be on all the news shows. And the only thing that will matter is your godly character and your content that you placed in the hands of a living God, the only thing that's gonna matter. Let me ask you some questions. Since this is about us, since we're thinking about ourselves, why don't we burn to live a life that honors God? Why don't, why don't we wake up and say, you know what? I want to do the things in my life that brings honor to God. I don't want to do anything that's going to slander the name of God. Why don't we burn to live a life that honors God? Why, why, would, we, why would we want to live a life or why don't we live a life that's, that's given over in total commitment? And I mean sold out, I mean all in, all the chips are in. We're we're moving in reckless abandon. We're totally committed. Why don't we totally commit today instead of holding something back? Why would we think that what we're doing is somehow gonna be better than what God is doing? And I think that's a bunch of us. You know what, He, he saved me and I'm gonna join him in heaven, but you know what, I got a lot of things to do and we somehow think in our day that what we're doing is some way gonna be better than what God is doing. And really maybe all of that comes down to this. Why don't we live in obedience? Why don't we actually live in obedience? Here's the answer. And this is what I believe. And I think all, of those answers have this, all those questions have the same answer. I believe, why don't we burn to obey God and to bring glory to his name? Why don't we commit and sell out to his cause? Why don't we live lives of obedience? I believe it's this. I believe at the core We don't really trust God. I don't, I really believe we really don't trust God. Now we we would say, as I'm saying that, I think some of you are probably saying, Yeah, we know what? Yes, I do. You can't speak for me. Yes, I do. I trust God. Do you trust God enough to say, you know what, in all areas of my life, if this is what you've said, this is what I'm gonna do? Do you trust Him like that? So are you tithing? So are you witnessing? If you let anybody to Jesus Christ? Bible says that's our, that's our job as believers. Are you witnessing? Are, are, are you living a life that, that doesn't look like the world that stands out somehow? Are you, are you serving your wife at your own cost? Is that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do? I think the truth is this, we really don't trust God that it's the best thing for us. You know what? it may be fine, It may be okay. I really don't think we believe it's the best thing. For us, well, here's here's the thing about Joshua. Now we turn and we start to look at Joshua. Here's the thing that I love about Joshua. Here's why I would like myself to be like Joshua, the guy I trusted God, and that's what we're going to see. We're going to spend five weeks. The thing that I love about Joshua, we see him when he starts and he's a young man. We go a whole lot of years to he's an old man, and he trusted God. I would like to be like Joshua, that it could be said, he trusted God. Now, today's the first time we run into him. Understand the context. At, at this point in, in, the, in the account of the nation of Israel, God has heard the cries of his people. Remember, they're slaves there in Egypt. He's heard their, their cries. God has miraculously delivered them, and it's God who delivers them. He sends the, he sends the plagues, the, the miraculous plagues, Uh, Remember the count, they're backed up against the Red Sea and there's there's a tremendous army that they can't whip and there's the Red Sea behind them and he stands it up and they go through the Red Sea and then he crushes and he he destroys the mighty army of, of Egypt. They had no chance if God didn't do those things and God has delivered them, God has led them, God has fed them, God has cared for them and we've seen mighty, mighty, marvelous things in the hand of God in the life of Israel. He's done some mighty, marvelous things. Well, in our verses today, where we find Joshua, he's led them, he's delivered them, he's brought them to the edge of the promised land, and they're standing there on the edge of the promised land, and they're about to go in, and they're looking in to the promised land. And here's the account. We're gonna read a whole bunch of verses today, but here they are. They've seen some marvelous things, and they're standing on the edge of the promised land, And here's the account. It starts in Numbers chapter 13. And I'm just gonna start reading. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send out for yourself men so that you may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one, listen, a leader among them. God says to Moses, we're going to send some spies in. We're going to survey the land. You're going to send one man of each of the tribes, a leader of those tribes. Now here's the list. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all these men who were heads of the sons of Israel. These were their names from the tribe of Ruman, Shammu, the son of Zachor. the tribe of Simeon, Saphat, the son of Horai, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jepunah, the tribe of Issachar, Aigal, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephim, Hoshea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, the tribe of Zebulun, Gadel, the son of Sodai, the tribe of Joseph, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, the son of Susai, from the tribe of Dan, Emil, the son of Gamili. From the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nahabi, the son of Vosephi. From the tribe of Gad, Gul, the son of Machi. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Verse 16, the son of Nun, Moses called him Joshua. So these are the names of these men. They are from each of the tribe of Israel. These are the heads of the tribe. Now notice the language there. These are the leaders of the nation of Israel. These are the leaders. These weren't just some guy called up. These are the leaders of each of the tribes. These are the leaders. All right, verses 17. When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go into the hill country, See what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the ripe grapes. He tells them this is the the leading with the direction of Moses under the direction of God. He says, go and survey the land. Look at the trees, look at the produce, look at the people, look at the cities and, and be very thorough in that. Give us a survey of the land. Now I think it's interesting. I want to point this out. Be sure and understand this is the deal. God knew what was in the land. Did you know that? He he knew what cities were in the land. He knew the people in the land. He knew the produce of the land. Be sure and understand, this wasn't for God. This was for them. He wanted them to see this. It really wasn't about the things they were gonna find in the land. It was really about something much greater than that. Go and, and, and thoroughly survey the land. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob and Lebohamoth, when they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron, Hebron and Shashi and Tamai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron, Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Verse 23, then they came to the valley of Esikol. And from there they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And with it on a pole between two men and with some of the pomegranates and the figs. The the grapes were so big, the fruit was so abundant, two guys had to carry one cluster of grapes. That place was called the Valley of Eshol because the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. They go to the land. The land is an awesome land. They see what's going on there. They see that there's enemies in the land and they start to build their report. Verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days... 40 days they surveyed the promised land. Verse 26, they proceeded to come to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness appearing at Kadesh. And they brought back the word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. We've been to the land. It's what you said it would be. We've been to the land and the produce is is amazing. Look at the fruit that we've carried back. We've seen the land. And the land is as you said it would be. Now I want you to notice one word as we start to, to head into verse 28. We've seen the land It took two people to carry the grapes back. We've seen the land that's abundant, the pomegranates. It truly flows with milk and honey. Notice this one word at the start of verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Verse 29. Amalek is, Amalek is there in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, they're living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea by the side of the Jordan. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and listen to what he says We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Verse 31 through 33. But the men who had gone up with them said, we're not able to go up against these people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land which we have gone in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are of great size. Verse 33, there was also the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part, part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. They get back, and the report is the land is abundant. It's what God said it would be. But, but the majority of these guys say, you know, we, can't, we can't overcome the enemy there. Yes, those things are there, but you know, they're too strong for us. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And they give the negative report. Israel turns around on this negative report. Let me ask you this. Let me just say this. Where was the problem here? Where, where did they stall out here? And I, I think it's worth noticing it died with the leaders. It died with the leaders. These, these men, Shaphat, Agel, Gadai, these leaders, these were the men that came back and they said, you know what? It's exactly what God said it would be. Nevertheless, we can't take it. The poor report of these leaders turned the entire nation of Israel. I was thinking about that this morning. What, what if they had come back and said, you know what? It's not, it's not a problem for our God. What if they had come back and said, you know what? We, we saw these guys, they're bigger, than, they're bigger than trees, but you know what? They're gonna fall just like a tree. But these guys came back and with the negative report, they turned the entire nation of Israel. These men, their names recorded forever as a faithless man in the camp of Israel. Chapter 14 now. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices. They hear it and they cried and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, what that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in the wilderness. They've said this before. Oh, that we would have just died in Egypt, that we would have died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse four, listen to this. So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Verse four is a very interesting verse. They hear the negative report. The entire nation turns and they say, you know what, let's replace Moses. Let's let's find us a new leader, a leader that'll do what we want want to do and lead us back to Egypt. Let's, Let's replace God's leader. And they actually say this, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back where the labor was so bad that we cried out in our sleep to the the living God to come and, and deliver us. Let's replace God's leader and let's go back. Verse five. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. Verse six. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, of those who had spied out the land, Tore their clothes. This was, a, this was an extreme show of a, a public outcry. They tore their clothes. Verse seven. And they spoke to the congregation of the sons of Israel saying, listen to this. The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And then verse eight. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Here's what, here's what Joshua and Caleb come back and they say, they tear their clothes, they get the attention of the nation and they say, look at who God is. Notice that. They don't say, well, look at the giants. Look at what God has done. Remember the Egyptian army. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the, the manna every morning, the quail that fed us. Remember who God is. He will give it to us. That's what they say. Verse nine. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Verse nine, they say again, look at who our God is. Trust in who our God is. Remember what our God has done. He will deliver and give us the land. Verse 10, our last verse we'll look at today. But all... But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. God's faithful, God's powerful, God's trustworthy. Remember our God. And all the congregation says we should stone them with stones. But all the congregation said stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. God's going to show up at that point. Let me let me stop there today. And I, I want to think about again where we started today. Looking at us. The possibility that we have. And I, I want to look at three questions for us today. Three Questions for us to answer. And listen, as you're sitting here today, these questions are for you to answer. Some, some questions that we need to have an answer for. First, the first question is this. How do you see, how do we see with the right eyes? How do we see with the right eyes? That's the first question. How do you see with the right eyes? You see, the, the trick of this whole thing is these folks all saw the same thing. They didn't see two different things. One of them didn't see a different city than someone else saw. They all saw the same thing, but how they saw it was different. How to listen today in 2019, how do we see with the right eyes? How do you see with an eternal perspective? How do you see what truly matters? How do you see what is possible? And how do you see what is an absolute waste of time? How do you see with the right eyes today? Here's your answer. You put your trust in God. Well, there's gotta be something more to it than that, doesn't there? Don't I need need to go to a class and learn something? Don't I need to go to church for for two years and memorize something? Listen, how you see with the right eyes, you put your trust in God because if you're looking anywhere but to God, your eyes are gonna follow and if you're gonna see with godly eyes, your trust must be in God. I don't see it that way. Well, where's your trust? Well, I think there's a better way. Well, where's your trust? Your retirement, your, your family, some other thing? If we're going to see with the right eyes, we have to have a trust in God. Second thing, and this is an important thing as well how do you stand against the flow? How do you stand against the flow? Everybody, and I'm talking about our culture, everybody today comes along and they say this thing they say, you know what? This is the truth. They come along and say, no, we're all going this way. How do you stand against the flow? Now, I can't say this and I can't say it loudly enough, man, you're gonna have to take a stand today. You're gonna have to take a stand today. You're gonna have to take a stand in your home today. You're gonna have to take a stand in your workplace today. 2019, the culture is heading this way. You're going to have to take a stand today. Listen, it's going to be lonely to take that stand. It's going to be a hard thing to take that stand. It's not going to be popular to take that stand. I'm going to tell you, people are going to despise you for taking up that stand. They picked up stones to kill these guys. Their entire nation was set to kill them. How do you stand against the flow today? Same answer, put your trust in God. You put your trust in God. What, what, what in the world is that talking about? You know what, that's, that's saying, you know what, who am I gonna please from the New Testament? Am I gonna please men? Is that my goal or am I gonna please God? That's going back and and we're going to see Joshua in in a few chapters when he says, you know what, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the sorry, worthless gods that were here? Are you going to serve the one true living God? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How do you stand when everybody else is going that way? You put your trust in God. You put your trust in God. And here's the greatest question, I think of all of them we're going to look at today. How do you, Listen, I'm talking to you. How do you bring much glory to God? Well, I didn't know that was my, my job. I didn't know that was even on the radar screen. Listen, how, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care what your background is. How do you bring much glory to God? Isn't that what you'd like to do? Or do you just want to live some more? Do you just wanna just survive some more? You just wanna get by some more? How do you bring glory to God? How is it that someone would say in this world, you know what, there is a living God and he's active and he's powerful and he's grace given and in his son, Jesus, he's risen from the dead. He is our Lord and our savior. How does your life bring much glory to God? You have to put your trust in God. Lord, it's all yours anyway. Lord, I don't have much that that I I would count as anything. In fact, nothing I hold has any value uh, opposed to you. And you can have it all and you have to trust God. God, you use it. God, you take it. But be glorified in it. Let me tell you something. You're not gonna bring glory to God with a halfway life. You may do some pretty decent things and they may say, no, he's not a bad guy. You will not bring glory to God with a half committed life. But when you trust God with everything, glory goes to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I was moving through these verses, and I thought about a song. It's it's a weird thing about songs to me these days. Sometimes we sing songs so much they become numb to us. We sing songs, you know, that's how we start a service, that's how we close a service, or maybe something that plays on the radio, we don't even hear what they're saying anymore. But as I was going through this and I was thinking about these verses, especially one verse here, I remembered this song. You've heard it a hundred times. I'm gonna read you the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Here's the verse. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Listen to the fourth verse. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. Let me ask you the question there, where's your trust today? Where's your trust? Is it in a sorry world that's, that's quickly compromising and falling apart? Is it in a, in a retirement that you hope to stack up and have some level of comfort someday? Is it in a relationship? Where is your trust today? Because I want to tell you this, if it's not in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is a misplaced trust. Will you follow Jesus? You know what? You can have all this stuff. I'm going to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand, please. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. During Father, we come, today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for a Savior that is gracious to us. I'm thankful for a Savior that, that in no work of our own provides a way of, of salvation. Thankful for hope that endures today a peace that at last all the cruddy things of this life. Thankful for a Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, I pray that the men in this room, as we, as we study this life, as we see this one that said, you know what, though the whole nation pick up stones, I'm gonna side with God. I pray that we would desire to be those type of men. And I pray it would show up in our workplaces and it'd show up in our churches. It would show up in our homes and our wives would see it, our, our kids would see it. Committed, zealots to the cause of a living Savior. Lord, help us to be those men. I pray, Lord, that you've been glorified today, that you've been known. I pray for somebody here that doesn't know you. I pray that in the hearing of this truth, that today they might put their faith in you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.